Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's good to see everybody. It's good to see everybody. Um, How many of you are just right now living on uh, the expression of worship that we just experienced together? Um, Can we say amen to that? Uh, I am running hard. Anybody have some seasons in your life when you're running hard and you're just like, man, just pummeling through everything that's in front of you that's on the agenda and some things are light and good. Some things are dark and heavy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And we just need to uh, be refreshed in God's spirit. And worship is such a thing that does that for me. And um, I'm so blessed by the talent that we have on this stage, right? Some real talent on the stage. All the musicians, all the instrumentalists. Uh, I think about every time I hear a cat sing, I, I say to the Lord, that's what I'm feeling right there. I can't do that, but, but I feel that. So sometimes I'm going, yes, Lord, that. I do want to let you all know something, too. The first song we sang, did you like that song? Keith wrote that song. <laughs> Keith wrote that song. That's a song for our church, man. Please with that. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Um, all right, honored to get with it. Before we get into our, what I want to talk about this morning, we had a great weekend last week, and normally I take spots at the front end of the service to talk about what's just ahead of us. I want to take a quick moment and talk about what we just did as a church family. Last week, we did a volunteer appreciation event, and if you're with us, um, we met actually over on our East Campus, show you this cool picture. Here you are at our, uh, at our East Campus. Isn't that a cool thing? And uh, we did, we did, go ahead, you could clap for yourselves. I was trying to think of how to tee this up because we had a, uh, we had a comedian there, uh, Michelle Miller did a great job, we had some worship, we heard a little bit from our, our campus pastors, there's some folks in the crowd, and uh, we just had a great event. And um, you know, this is a church that lives off the value of all of us serving together. And this is the only way the mission goes forward. We have this singular mission at Community of Hope. We believe that God has called this church into being to be a place that interests disinterested folks in Christ, grows them into fully devoted followers. And that takes many hands to be involved in that. And so we're just honored that so many of you have done that. In fact, if you have served in any capacity in our church over the last year, I want you to just stand. You've done anything, picked up the trash, Clean up. There they are, folks. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Don't want to shame everybody, but after church at noon, we're going to be back here setting up for Christmas. So, did you notice how I did that right there? Just notice how I did that. All right. All right, take your notes out. We're in, we're in a series, and today we're going to conclude this series. We're in a series right now. We're talking about, frankly, uh, the hospitality of God the, uh, that represented, uh, you know, through the life of Jesus. And uh, we are in a series we're calling Coming to Your House. And we used a little uh, phrase at the beginning of this series, kind of as a theme verse that comes out of the book of Revelation. And I want to show you this phrase. We're going to read it together one more time as a church family. It's Revelation 3.20. Let's read this out loud. Ready? Go. Here I am. 
I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens a door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. This is sort of an example of what God does for us in Christ, sort of representing uh, his stated hospitality toward all people. And so this is a cool thing. We thought we would study this as a church because Thanksgiving's coming and we all need a little tune-up because some people are coming to your house this Thursday. Or you're going to somebody else's house and somebody are praying you get sick and don't show up. That's kind of, that's kind of what's happening. And so we thought, you know, this would be a good thing to do that. How many of you have folks coming to your house this week? Some of us. How many of you, you're going to somebody's house? Who's hiding and doesn't care? All right, Mike Wiggs, of course. There it is. But at any rate, um, we are learning right now about the hospitality of God, and we've been taking a verse of Scripture, and we have been twisting and turning that verse around, studying some of the truths that are available to us. And we've been doing this, I've said it every weekend, but um, we have been looking at this uh, verse of Scripture for a whole month. And I think this has been a very fascinating thing because I want you to know as a part of your, uh, uh, part of the teaching team, there's been so much rich and good conversation that's been happening to us, uh, in, within our group as a result of sort of studying this verse of scripture. And so this morning we're going to look at it one more time and we're in Luke chapter 19 and we're going to read the first 10 verses of that. And so all month long as we've been reading this scripture, we've been standing to read it together. I'm going to invite you to do it one more time. And we're going to honor God's word together. The Lord is in the house by spirit. And so here's, here's the story. Luke records it. He says, Jesus entered Jericho and he was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. And he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached this spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly and all the people saw this and they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today, today, in this very moment, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Wow, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So over the last month, um, we have pulled this story, usually a children's story, up into adulthood, and we've been fashioning uh, these deep truths around our adult experience and our adult circumstance. This is always a good thing to do. Good Bible readers don't just read the Bible simply to gain sort of knowledge, you know, like so you can know interesting facts about Scripture. 
Uh, the best way to read the scripture is to read the scripture and let the scripture read you. That's the best way to read scripture. And so that's what we've been doing over the past month. And so we've kind of pulled the story up into our current reality, into our current culture, into our current experience. And we've been twisting and turning it around. And we've been trying to discover under the power of the Spirit what God by His Spirit would say to us as we're kind of learning together. And if you've been following along, in week one, we got introduced to the main characters of the story. We pulled the story into our adulthood. We learned about the three main characters. We looked at Zacchaeus. We learned some interesting things about him. We looked at the tree, which is a very important character within the story. And then, of course, we looked at Jesus. And we learned some interesting things in each of the week. There was kind of a focus point in the series, if you will. And in week one, this is actually what we learned. And we learned in week one... Uh, uh, in verses, not, no, we're going to go on. I think we're going to, there's a scripture. There it is. God's grace is so radical, it is willing to be mistaken as the affirmation of sin. Now, here's what I want you to know. It's no small thing that when Jesus welcomed uh, Zacchaeus out of the tree, that everybody scoffed at that encounter that's going on. And I think sometimes if we're not careful, we could breeze by some important parts of the scripture and some important parts of the story, and we could sort of miss what's taking place. And so if you're with us in week one, this is sort of the message of week one. If we went to week two and we went inside the story, we kind of, we, we took a deeper look and we looked at Zacchaeus' public self and we looked also at Zacchaeus' false self. And we learned in that experience that the tree represented not only the place that Zacchaeus climbed up into so he could see Jesus, but the place he also retreated from Jesus in so that he could manage the experience, if you will, a little bit. And so the underlying message in week two, there was another statement, and this statement we had was simply this. God is willing to meet us where we are but his love will not leave us there. This is really an important part of what we're looking at. Sometimes right now, especially, we are, we are living in a culture that just simply wants to put affirmation on everything. Come on, right? And here's what I want to tell you. I know some parts about my life and to be honest, as a pastor for 26 years in this location, I know some things about your life <laughs> that doesn't need affirmation. What we need in some places is admonition. We need to be told the truth about some things. And so what we learned in week two is just simply this idea, go back if you will, God is willing to meet us where we are but his love will not leave us there. I had a friend of mine who sent this to me this, uh, this week, it, a little statement that said this, long before Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus, the tree was planted to meet his need. Pretty good, right? I wish I'd thought of that myself, but I didn't. If you were in week three, we looked at the special friends that Zacchaeus and Jesus brought to that powerful moment that Luke recorded. In other words, we looked one more time into the story and we said, this is an incredible encounter. What makes it an incredible encounter? And we noticed two things. First of all, really was the kindness of God. 
And we notice this, spiritual growth happens when I respond to God's kindness with spiritual curiosity. One of the things that uh, we find over and over and over again in Scripture is the, the expressed kindness of a loving God. It should never be taken for granted, but it's there. It's there for us. And what happens most, and one of the things I want to remind us about, is spiritual transformation really happens. Spiritual growth really happens when we respond to that kindness with spiritual curiosity. That's what's happening in a space like this. Every time you and I come in on a Sunday morning and we enter into this, this space, here's what I think we ought to do. This is sort of the prayer that ought to be running in the back of our hearts. Lord, I'm here you probably want to say some things to me this morning that I need to hear. And so I'm going to manifest in front of you, by your grace, a certain curiosity and a cer certain uh, willingness to learn. If you're with us last weekend, I think it was we talked about um, that our recovery community does that so well. In, in the recovery community, there's a reality step which just readily acknowledges that, that, that all of us have certain parts about our character that are ruling us, that are, that make our lives unmanageable in some way. It might be a hurt, a habit, a hang up, a compulsion, an addiction. It might be a certain subset of our personality that we've been conditioned into that, that just welcomes a lot of brokenness into our lives. And that's the reality step. We start to grow and we realize that about ourselves. Then we get to week two and, and, and this idea about recovery, and then there's this what we call the hope step, which means there is a God who is actually more powerful than our compulsions and addictions, amen. And he's willing to help us recover. Isn't that awesome? I don't know why that's over on Monday night. We need to pull that up into Sunday morning. Come on. And then we call that the third step, which is the faith step, which is we, we, we turn our lives and our wills over to the care and control of this loving God. Do you hear it? You can hear it. And so this is the kind of idea we've, look, we've been looking at, and we, we notice this when it talks about the kindness of God, which is all over the Scripture. It's everywhere. Some of my favorite verses, I have two verses when I think about the kindness of God that just sort of pop out to me. This is how my own brain works. One of them we touched on maybe a week or so back, Romans 2.4. Paul's writing, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, his forbearance and patience, not realizing that it is God's kindness that is intended to lead you to repentance? God uses kindness in your life as a spiritual force to pull you toward him. You see that? Uh, that's how Paul writes it. Peter writes it this way in 2 Peter verse 3 through 9. 3, 9, he says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise about redemption, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Aren't you grateful God is patient? Aren't you grateful that he's kind and that he's good? Part of the reason we worship is because we're just sort of getting in touch with that reality. Well, this morning, I, I, I want to say some things here because um, before we leave the story, 
I want to say a few words about this story, the story of Zacchaeus, uh, in reference to our church as we are here as a gathered community. Because right now as a church, we are navigating important decisions about our future. And so we have made some decisions. We're in the process of ratifying an important decision that we feel and that the leaders feel is important for our future. And I've been saying it to people this way, if, if, we, if we like what's going on in our church, we have to leave our denomination to stay the same. And this is what um, I have been thinking about, and this is what I'm spending a lot of time doing and have taken some hits for. And um, I thought in this story, I wanted us to look at this from the perspective of the church. We've looked at this story in and out. We've looked at Zacchaeus. We've looked at the tree. We've looked at Jesus. We've looked at the false self. We've looked at the real self. But I want, I want to look this morning at, at it from the standpoint of the church against the backdrop of the vitriol that was coming to Jesus because he was kind to Zacchaeus. And you'll notice um, there's a powerful verse. It's Luke chapter 19, verse 9 and 10. And I want us to see this where Paul, or where, where Luke writes it this way. He sums up the story and he says this, today's salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. And then look at verse 10. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So God has in his heart and in his mind lost people turns out y'all lost is a thing um how many would self-identify this morning as you tend to be a person who loses things (laughs) hold your hand up high these are my people right there it turns out in my family that person would be me a couple of Christmases ago, my kids, um, because I think they're also, when your kids grow up and they get married, moms and dads, do you ever feel like they form a small group about you? Do you ever feel that? So like they're talking about you behind the scenes and all of that. And uh, uh, a couple of Christmases ago, I, I think because I frustrate people because I misplace things, they, they bought me this thing that I'm to put in my wallet. I charge it up and I put it in my wallet. And then if I lose my wallet, I could track it on my phone. And the very first time I lost my wallet, I also lost my phone. <laughs> Moving on. The verse of Scripture we had up a moment ago says that um, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So it turns out lost is a thing. Um, We live in a, a culture that that might sound negative, it might sound pejorative, it might sound even... You know, the church is, is uh, famous for judgment and being judgmental, but turns out this is Jesus' observation about people. People get lost. 
In fact, I did a little word study on the use of the word lost in the original language. And the word lost, in, as it's used in that, in that verse, means this. It means to not be put to good use, to be won over, or to be rightfully claimed. Interesting. Sometimes this happens with people. In our teaching team a while back, we had an interesting conversation around this idea. And we all popped on this as a way, really, that we thought that God, by His Spirit in that meeting, was leading us to end this series to talk about lost things. And we were, we were talking about this idea in, in Luke 19, and it reminded us of the incredible story that happens in Luke 15, four chapters earlier in the Gospel of Luke, where we have Jesus' um, most uh, developed and most thoughtful uh, teaching on lost things. Uh, you might have read it, the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And, and we thought if we're really going to bring the fullest sense of understanding to this ending of this story of Zacchaeus, we could borrow some teaching and some truth from Luke chapter 15 as a way to help all of us in this room understand more the different ways people sometimes just get lost in Luke chapter 15, we learn, first of all, in verses 3 and 4, he talks about um, lost sheep, and this is what he says. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? What a beautiful imagery of what God does. And when we thought about the lost sheep, here's what we thought about. Lost sheep sort of represents people who wander. Because if you know sheep, they just wander. They're not malevolent. They're not uh, mean-spirited. They're not, they're not, you know, bent in this way. They're just, they just sort of preamble along and find themselves lost. Uh, in our teaching team, uh, Brandon, this week, he texted everybody this message. He said, um, he said, if you want a good illustration around this, he said, Google sheep in a ditch, you'll laugh. And we thought, this is what you're doing with your time? <laughs> but it turns out it's kind of funny. He sent this picture. That's a sheep that's just lost. In a way, it looks innocent. In a way, it looks funny, but this is what sheep do. And some of us, this would be the epitome of our sense of lostness. We just don't think seriously about how things are coming down in the future. We just kind of preamble our way through life, and we find ourselves in this place. How many of y'all remember when early GPS came out? Remember that? Now we have it on our phone. I remember spending, I don't know, like 300 bucks to get this 
this Garmin GPS thing that because everybody had it, we, we just had to have it. And we got it. And this thing, it was early, the early adapter of that. You would just drive around. It would take you through neighborhoods and you just <laughs> wind around. And it was, ours had this English voice. You could set the voice and it was this, I said it to this, like this young English woman because it sounded nice. Hello, Dale. You know, but it would, it would just kind of grow when you were off track. It would say, turn around, turn around. You idiot, turn around. This is sometimes what happens with people. It's not intentional, but it happens. There's an old hymn that sometimes we sing in the church. It's important to sing hymns every now and again, right? One of the hymns says this, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Do you ever feel that in you? Lord, you get to a moment of a decision. I know this is the right decision, but I feel the temptation to make the wrong decision. Every day, we get forced with that. The sheep represents those who wander. Now, then you look over, there's another one. It's the parable of the lost coin. And there's a verse of Scripture that goes with this. Or suppose a woman, Jesus says, has ten silver coins, loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And we started talking about the lost coin, and we thought, well, if the lost sheep represents people who just wander, watch me here now. The lost coin represents people who wonder. Let me explain myself. I think it represents people who end up in difficult, lost places, and they literally don't know how they got there. Or they got there through the will and volition of someone else. You know, the coin was just doing what the coin does, right? And then it gets lost. And it doesn't really know how it got there. You got to follow my imagery. I could tell you as a pastor after many years, this represents a lot of people. This is the category of people who get lost really around um, through no fault of their own, really. It's the woundedness and the brokenness of another human being. Sometimes we say it this way. It's the tragic connection of life against life. Some of the heaviest conversations I have as a pastor, this one. I was driving around town recently, and you know, we, all, we put our signs and our monikers on our car, and I was at a light, and this guy pulled up next to me. And uh, then when the light turned green, I went forward and he got behind me. And he had as a moniker on his front windshield, it just simply said this, ruined. Now, because I'm getting old, that could be, for all I know, the name of a band. (laughs) So forgive me. But it made me wonder, 
Because I think there are some of us who are just kind of going through life and we've put different descriptors on the front pages of our mind. Broken, ruined, spent, used, irreparable, bad. I wonder what Zacchaeus thought. And as we've learned, he was in the tree for a couple reasons. And then, and then there's the third one. The, the, the bulk of the story in Luke 15 pushes one other way that we get lost. It's about the lost son. And uh, it's the larger bulk of Scripture, and we find it, first of all, in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 12. Jesus continued, there was a man. We could also say there was a woman who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, what we have to understand biblically is going on there. We have to get a context clue. This was basically akin in ancient biblical times, of telling the Father, you're dead to me. I want out. And so he squanders his life in riotous living. And I was thinking about this. We thought, well, if, if, the, if the sheep represents those who wander, if the coin represents those who wander, The son certainly has to represent those who want to. Some of us are lost by choice. And I I wouldn't be a good preacher if I didn't point that out. And um, we have made decisions completely out of an act of our will and our volition. We have lived, like the Scripture says, the fool says in their heart, there is no God. That's this category. Now, I know really many of us, I I think we all in some ways, we're a little bit in all of the categories, but here's what I've learned about my own sin DNA. We all have a sin DNA. We lean toward one of them. Some of us are just happy-go-lucky, and we're just wandering aimlessly where there's no purpose in life. We're not really being of good use. We're not, you know, some of us wonder. We, we have just let, you know, the situations and circumstances of life sort of become our defining moment. And some of us, you know, it's like that. One of my, my favorite movie is the, the, is the movie Sandlot. How many of you all have seen the Sandlot movie? Right, and you remember there's the there's the the guy that falls in love with Wendy Peppercorn. Remember that? And there's that moment when Wendy is putting on the suntan lotion, and all the little boys there, their hormones are raging. And that one says to the other, he goes, "She doesn't know what she's doing." And the other guy looks at him and says, "She knows exactly what she's doing." And that's some of us. We know what we're doing. Now, here's where I want to bring this all down. In each of those stories, the 
sheep, the coin, and the son. They all had a community they came back to that rejoiced with them. The shepherd goes and finds his shepherds and he says, look, I found the one that was lost. The woman who lost the coin, maybe her dowry, celebrates with her friends. And we have a God in the parable of the lost son who continuously scans the horizon looking for lost people. And if we understand that in the context of the church, here's here's what I want to say. Really important. Really, really important. This community that God is forming is really, if we understand it right, it's the fellowship of the redeemed. And redeemed people are used of God to redeem people. One of the biggest um, visions that I feel like God gave me many years ago was that I've separated churches into two categories. You've heard me say this before. There's a museum for saints. You ever been to those churches? Right? And and there's a hospital for sinners. Uh, This way I've said it. Um, Most of us have been to a museum before. They're relatively quiet. People observe things. Occasionally, they nod their heads as though they understand. They make a few comments to one another, follow the pamphlet through the experience, exit the back door, and go get lunch. Come on. That's a museum. Hospitals are different. They're full contact. They're messy. It's life or death in there. People don't want an experience. They want help. They need answers. They enter the place for specific reasons, and they hope that they're going to leave better than when they walked in there. My vision is that we'll never let anything get in the way of being that kind of church. Nothing will ever get in the way. That all of us deep down in our own DNA, right, we will recognize that as because we are part of the fellowship of the redeemed, we will say this without any sort of hesitation at all. We are part of the fellowship of the redeemed, and we are on mission together as a core group and as a community together, and redeemed people are used of God to redeem other people. When Beth and I started, it was Beth and I. I remember a time when I asked Beth to join our church. She said, you know, it's still... <laughs> Give me another year, ask me in a year. And the most humbling thing to see over and over and over and over again is more and more people coming in. And here's the thing, but don't ever lose the flavor. Don't just sit in here like the frozen chosen. Man, I've got to write this down for the next, <laughs> next service. Please, please join us in this mission. Now, here's what I want to tell you as we're closing. It's messy. Man, hospitals are messy. We're in hospitals a lot. Trevor and I were in the hospital together this week. We're, it's messy. But it's important. That's what this church is. 
messy, but important. Help us, God. Help us.